is going on guys your boy Elroy here and welcome back to the your boy Elroy MMA podcast this week we have the final episode of YBE Rewind yes full episodes will be back next week but this week we're gonna head back to the archives and listen to the first time I went solo on a podcast you guys are used to it if you've been listening for the last you know year or over two years now I've been going solo forever but um let's go back to the first time no co-hosts no nothing let's see how I did and again we will be back with original episodes next week thank you for this time for me to reset and kind of uh you know align myself um, I really appreciate it, but I'm really looking forward to coming back next week. So with that being said, here goes the first time I went solo. Enjoy. What's going on, guys? Your boy Elroy here, and welcome back to the Your Boy Elroy MMA podcast. I'm your host, Josh Prepigina, and this is uh, the very first episode, Solo Dolo, no biggie. Let's get right into the news. So, this week on Contract Dispute Weekly, uh, we've covered John Jones, we've covered Conor McGregor, um, which we will get more into, but let's start off with Jorge Masvidal. One of the premier fighters in the UFC, huge star... Uh, joins the train and uh, hops on, brings to the game facts about um, the discrepancy in UFC contracting versus the other sports leagues like the NFL and NBA where they're making 40 to 50% of the company's revenue um, in a return UFC fighters make about 18. Um, Obviously, that not being a fair number, anybody can see that. But Jorge's big gripe is that he's signing on to fight for a UFC title. And they're looking to pay him less than he made his last fight. And he's just upset that you guys want to pay me less because... Usman can't draw like that's not my problem um I don't know if this is the way my opinion um this is the bad thing about me talking about this is I am the guy on the podcast that I can care less what fighters make because uh, they don't care what I make and oh are they struggling like one of those things like is it really that hard out there for you guys and your families but Jorge bringing facts kind of brings to the uh, it brings a whole different thought process into the ball game to where you know you hear about John Jones and his arbitrary number of you know 15 million dollars where you know you make you make 15 in a year if you fight three times but you're looking for that in one fight you know, if you ask for like a few million more, you probably wouldn't have had a problem. But, you know, you're trying to go three times over each fight. 
not looking too good for you, buddy. But with Jorge, I I do agree that it's it's a bad look that he's looking to fight for the one seventy pound title, and they're gonna pay him less. It just does not sit well, especially when you know Jorge is the one to do the promotional work for the company, even though he hates it and he says it in every interview. He does it and he tries to promote the fight. And I'm not doubting that he'd be way more successful at promoting the fight than Kamara Usman. But we're going to see where this goes because Usman does have his next fight, which we will talk about later on. And Jorge is left uh, on the table at the moment. But continuing in contract dispute weekly, Conor McGregor. Retires per se, uh, right as the goat Amanda Nunes is walking out. Connor sends out a tweet, another retirement tweet. Now, obviously, if you're a real fan of MMA, no one takes this seriously. Like, uh, it was a very bad look for Connor to do this during the UFC 250 main event right at the end. Uh, It was selfish. It took away from Amanda Nunes and the perfect performance that she was putting on. And uh, I just think it was a bad look for Conor. Like, he needed that spotlight at that moment. And uh, I think he just took the wrong time to do it. It was extremely unfortunate that, you know, everybody should be talking about Amanda Nunes and how great her performance was. And all everybody talks about is... Connor's retiring when real MMA fans know that that was just a ploy for him to get the spotlight once again. Um, And then in the end, all it is is that he's upset that he can't fight. And that's not anybody's fault. Like anybody had, you know, not everybody had the opportunity at this moment to fight because of what's going on in the global pandemic, you know. But I think if he would have just relaxed (laughs) for about a week um he would have got a call so let's get into that actually because in this week's fight island weekly uh we finally know where fight island is and as suspected by major media outlets uh fight island is yas island in abu dhabi which the ufc has been to twice already um, it's not like that cool, oh, the UFC is going to have an octagon on the, you know, beach in the Bahamas, but still a great move by the UFC. I think that they're going to have a fantastic time on this island. I think that they already have a standing relationship with the people who are building the infrastructure and everything down there. So everything should be streamlined and move pretty smoothly out there on Yaz Island in Abu Dhabi. Um, So, yeah, the first card that they announced for Yaz Island in Abu Dhabi, which is the UFC 251 card, which is basically like a triple main event, uh, starting off with, for the vacant bantamweight title, Peter Yan versus Jose Aldo. And then in the co-main 
a rematch for the featherweight title, Alexander Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway. And then in the main event, Kamara Usman versus Gilbert Burns. Now, obviously, Burns more running running on like all the momentum in the world, and I'm super excited and happy for him. Um, and these other two fights, like the featherweight fight, we knew that was going to happen. It was a great first fight, and uh, I'm only looking for fireworks once again in the second fight. And then Peter Jan versus Jose Aldo. Let's just say that I have all the faith in the world that Jose Aldo will get slept for a second time in his career. Um, also, some other fights on this card. Big fights. We have uh, Jessica Andrade versus Rose Namajunas, too, which I cannot wait for. If you guys remember their first fight, yes, everybody thinks about the slam, the power drive at the end, but Rose was crushing Andrade up until that point. Um, Rose saying in interviews afterwards that she just gave up. She didn't want to be in there anymore, kind of let her guard down, and that's when she got slammed. So I'm looking forward to see a motivated Rose. Hopefully that her head is clear and she can really do some damage in there and be the Rose Namajunas that we all know and love. And then the women's flyweight division, the final fight on her contract, finally, get her out of here, Paige Van Zandt. Versus uh, the surging Amanda Rebus, someone who is supremely talented, uh, someone that we praise on this show constantly. I am looking forward to seeing Amanda Rebus give Paige Van Zandt, uh, I don't even know how to say it, uh, I just want her to work her, basically. <laughs> so that's Fight Island Weekly, uh, something that nobody really expected because it was it was kind of a surprise announcement. Um ESPN MMA on Instagram put up a graphic that LFA is returning to Fight Pass next month. Uh, That's good to see that more promotions are starting to come back. Uh, LFA being one that is a feeder system for the UFC. So always good to get those prospects up and rolling so that hopefully we'll see them either on the contender series on an undercard, you know, and they get their shot at the big time. But uh, from that, let's get into some fight announcements. So this week, obviously, since now they have Fight Fight Island um, announced, they announced a bunch of fights. I think in a week or eight days, there's about four or five cards announced, starting with that UFC 251 card and then going all the way to like the 25th, I believe, of... July. So I'm excited for that. I love the constant cards. It really, really makes this show better. But let's talk about some fight announcements. So we have in his heavyweight debut, his return to the Octagon, Alexander Gustafson versus Fabricio Verdum. Then in a really fun fight, uh, someone who obviously a fan favorite on this podcast, Mike Perry versus Mickey Gall. Obviously, always our fight announcements coming from MMA underscore Fight Night Live on Instagram. Thanks again. 
then we have a lot of fights that were announced before, but now are reannounced. So then we have Derek Brunson versus Edmund Shabazian. Uh, this is a really fun one. I cannot wait to see Holly Holm versus Irene Aldana. If Irene Aldana can put on the performance against Holly Holm, everybody knows and believes that she is next in line for that shot. Then continuing on with the women, we have Hannah Cyphers versus Maria Agapova. Then we have Volkan Ozdemir versus Jerry Projatka. I think I said that right. <laughs> Continuing on, real quick, real quick turnaround for Ian Heinish versus Brandon Allen. Then for UFC 252, August 15th, the trilogy fight is set. Stipe Miocic versus Daniel Cormier. For the UFC heavyweight title. I cannot wait for that. DC is someone who. I don't know if I could say I idolize. Because I, I think I have that room. More for Anderson Silva. You know. Barring failed Viagra drug tests. But um, I love DC. His character. I think he's fantastic. On commentary. He's a fantastic analyst. And his fight career. If he wins this. And can ride off into the sunset as the heavyweight champion. I will be so happy. Continuing on in the lightweight division. We have Clay Guida versus Bobby Green. And then tentatively for UFC 253 on September 19th. Khabib versus Justin Gaethje. We knew that was happening. That's the date for now. And I cannot wait. Uh, Then we have... Mark Casey versus Alan Patrick. We have Luis Pena versus Kama Worthy. That is a fantastic fight. Then we have Jim Miller versus Roosevelt Roberts. Big step in competition for Roosevelt Roberts. He gets a veteran in the game. Almost 50 fights under Jim Miller's belt. And someone who doesn't go down very easy. I'm looking forward to see how Roosevelt Roberts takes this fight. Because I think that he could be a prospect that could crush it. If he can do something against Jim Miller. Then we have Tyson Nam versus Zukar Adeshev. I'm sorry. I might have said that wrong. But he's replacing Ryan Benoit. Then we have Alejandro Pantoja versus Eskar Askarov. Cadiz Ibramov versus Roman Dozi. Man, these names are getting tougher and tougher for me. <laughs> and it doesn't get any easier at flyweight with Raulin Paiva versus Zalgas Zugalov. <laughs> and then she returns Molly McCann versus Talia Santos. Mike Gundy versus Moscar Ivalov. Armin Sukrayan versus Davy Ramos. Justin Taffa versus Rafael Passoa, which is a great talent at heavyweight. And uh, in the final fight announcement, two women, Vanessa Melo versus Carol Rosa. 
So those are this week's fight announcements courtesy of MMA Fight Night Live on Instagram. Thank you, Joe Devlin, for always putting out the fire graphics. We are supremely grateful. With that being said, let's get into the review of UFC 250. Saturday night live from the Apex. We had in the main event Amanda Nunes versus Felicia Spencer. Amanda Nunes just putting on a clinic. Um, for me to say anything else is it just doesn't do it justice. Amanda Nunes basically did whatever she wants against Felicia Spencer, and it was insane. I've never seen such a dominant performance. She had her on the feet. She had her on the ground. Any scramble, like Felicia Spencer had zero, zero, zero to answer Amanda Nunes. She just looked fantastic. I think 145 for her, for Amanda Nunes, is perfect. Unfortunately for the UFC, there isn't a lot of talent up at that weight class right now. But with what's going on with Amanda and Nina being pregnant, I think that this is perfect if she takes some time off after just completely obliterating Felicia Spencer in five rounds. Like five rounds, Amanda Nunes has been in the cage for 50 minutes in her last two fights and basically had, hadn't had lost a minute. Like it was ridiculous. Amanda Nunes, take this break while some challengers come up you know, like the Irene Aldana's, uh, maybe Megan Anderson can get some wins under her belt and, you know, cement her place in the 145 pound division. But this is perfect opportunity for Amanda Nunes to just relax, take some time off and enjoy her kid while some contenders, you know, can emerge. Uh, then let's start with some of the early prelims. So Herbert Burns submits Evan Dunham in the first round. Devin Clark hands Alonzo Menofield his first loss. Uh, looked great at light heavyweight and obviously taking the stand. Um, being the lone fighter to really, you know, well, I don't want, we'll get into another one later on, but he was, he really took a stand and I'm, I'm happy that he was able to show up for uh, Black Lives Matter. Then Alex Perez defeating Juicier Formiga by leg kicks. Let me just say that I will not want to take any of those leg kicks. And I'm not ashamed to say that. Uh, Maki Patolo proving to be too much for Charles Bird and finishing him in the second round. Uh, Cody Stammen coming off of the tragedy of losing his 18-year-old brother. Uh, defeats Brian Kelleher by decision. Um... Cody Stamen is so good, as well as Brian Kelleher, but Cody Stamen, uh, my heart goes out to you, brother. I don't know if I'd be able to do what you did. Well, first of all, I wouldn't be able to fight, but coming off of the loss of my little brother, God bless you, brother. I hope you and your family find some type of peace in this trying time for you. Um, then at middleweight, Ian Heinish. Destroys Gerald Mearshart. Uh, Gerald Mearshart, the ultimate, you know, <laughs> roller coaster of a career. But Ian Heinish is 
a fantastic talent at middleweight, uh, trying to move quickly up the ranks. Uh, not ranked right now, but I say pretty soon we should see Ian Heinish fighting ranked opponents. Then in the feature prelim on ESPN, Alex Caceres just proves once again too much for Chase Hooper. Chase Hooper, someone who is uh, I don't. I don't like when people say he shouldn't have took this fight. Of course he should have took this fight. That's why he's in the UFC to fight these, you know, you know, more talent, not more talented, but, uh, you know, veterans. He wants to put some names on his resume that actually mean something. Um, Alex Caceres, just his striking is on another level compared to Chase Hooper. Uh, I did like this fight because I am a fan of, of when jiu-jitsu guys pull guard in an MMA fight. Uh, it rarely works, but uh, he tried a lot, and I'm thankful that he did. Alex Caceres' striking was just so crisp, and he gets that victory by decision. And then we move on to the main card, who starting the Bantamweight tournament of the night. Sean O'Malley crushes Eddie Wineland with this beautiful shot uh Eddie Wineland goes out cold so Sean O'Malley ever since we've seen him on the contender series has always proved to just be supremely talented really good on his feet um I think at the start of this fight he he moved he was a little wild um for like the first few seconds and then he was able to kind of reel it in relax and just shut the lights out um I would like to see him really relax in his next fight and really pick his shots because he was throwing some crazy kicks slipping all over the place um obviously he's 12 and 0 and he hasn't fought you know the elite of the elite yet but I think you can put him into that mix and uh immediately he will make a difference that's how good I think Sean O'Malley is uh, moving on to the lone welterweight fight on the card, Neil Magley um, <laughs> defeats Anthony Rocco Martin. I use that term very loosely. Uh, I actually thought Anthony Rocco Martin won this fight, but hey, I'm not a judge. Continuing on in the bantamweight tournament of the night, Aljamain Sterling submitting Corey Sanhagen in the first round with like the first minute 30 it took him 90 seconds uh i think aljo like he said once he gets his hands on you it's really hard to get him off and he just you know had his way with Corey sanhagen i think that Corey sanhagen expected something else and then this happened and he just couldn't fight it going out not even tapping so uh really interested to see where both these guys go because i think that Corey Sanhagen obviously still has a place at the top of that division. And Aljo clearly should get the winner of Peter Jan versus Jose Aldo. Uh, I don't hate the um, doing Marlon Marais versus Corey Sanhagen, actually, since Marlon doesn't have a dance partner. I'm sure Corey Sanhagen is looking to get in as soon as possible after that loss in 90 seconds. Uh, then in the co-main event, Cody Garbrandt versus Rafael Asuncao. Second round, the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Just this knockout was like a, how do I put it? 
It looked like it was from Mortal Kombat. Like the camera shoots down and goes at an angle on Corey Sanhagen. He just swings with everything he has. And once again, I'm going to use this phrase again, puts the lights out on Rafaela Sunsell. I think this guy hasn't been finished in forever. And this was a crazy, crazy finish. Good for Cody, Cody Garbrandt. Obviously him being a big name. It's going to be really interesting to see what he does because, uh, or what the UFC does with him. Um, O'Malley calling him out. I do like that fight. I think that O'Malley can beat him. But uh, if I'm Cody, I stay as far away from that right now as possible because he is trying to surge again. And the last thing he needs is to fight an unranked guy. Um, Yeah, I am grateful that he's back. You know, I'm glad that he's not that corny, corny dude he used to be. He's, He's very calm, cool, and collected. It seems like he's finally growing up because he did spend a lot of his younger years in the spotlight. Might have gotten to his head, but he was able to center himself. He moved with uh, to Mark Henry. You know, he, he trains between both gyms, and I'm glad. He looked great. Great for Corey Sanhagen. Obviously him as well. He can, he can fight Marlon Marais if he really wants to, you know, continue to move up the ranks. So that was UFC 250. Like I said, very sneaky good card, and I think it delivered. Uh, Unfortunately, I don't think that the numbers will show how good the card was. But um, I think that this card deserved uh, all the praise in the world. They They did a fantastic job. Moving on to this week's card, live from the UFC Apex. It is fight night. Jessica I in the main event Jessica I versus Cynthia Calvillo okay so I'm gonna admit I gave this fight a lot of lot of grief um and maybe it you know when you see these names it's like oh yeah maybe that's warranted you know they don't deserve to really they don't deserve to uh main event but think about it like this Jessica I is the number, I believe, number one ranked women's flyweight. And Cynthia Calvillo is unranked. This is her debut at flyweight in the UFC. And right up to the top, she's facing Jessica I. So this, for Cynthia Calvillo, is huge. Um, For me, I think her key to victory is to... Um, stay on the feet because we saw what Daniel Kelly did in a jiu-jitsu competition to her. So I think her best bet is on the feet. I think Jessica, I, you know, she does have decent striking, but, um, nowhere near the hands of, uh, Cynthia Calvillo. I'm looking forward to seeing this fight now that I have that form of reference to where Jessica, uh, Jessica, I can potentially lose her number one spot to a person, not even in her division. So, I love that. Uh, let's start in the prelims with some of the key matchups. We had Julia Avia versus Gina Mazzani. We have Charles Rosa versus Kevin Aguilar. We have Jordan Griffin versus Derek Minor. That should be a good one. And then on the main card, yo, this main card has some firefights. Uh, Jordan Espinosa versus Mark De La Rosa. 
In the featherweight division, I'm looking forward to this one. Andre Touchy-Feely versus Charles Jourdain. Andre Feely looked fantastic in his last fight. Charles Jourdain rarely looks bad, so that should be a good one. And then we have Marab Divshalvili versus Gustavo Lopez. And then the co-main event. This really should have main evented, but I digress. Carl Roberson versus Marvin Vittori. Uh, Carl Roberson, I hope, can make weight and make it healthy. Um, and this can this could move him up pretty well because remember, Marvin Vittori, the only one to go to a split decision with Stylebender. Um, Carl Roberson, I think, has all the skills in the world. So I'm looking forward to see what Carl Roberson does in this fight. And that is UFC Fight Night once again at the Apex. I love the Apex cards so far. Uh, this is the second one coming up, I believe. Or the third, I'm sorry. And uh, I just think on TV, it just looked so good. Like, I always like the Tuesday Night Contender series cards from the Apex. Uh, these pay-per-view cards look great and all the ESPN stuff. I just think that the production value coming from the Apex is, like, light years ahead of anything they could have did anywhere else. As well as all the interview stuff that they do there, it just looks so good on camera. I did like the... Uh, it reminded me of the Tuesday Night Contender Series when they take the fighters to the back and then they have that split-screen interview. I am sad that they can't do the Octagon interviews, but this is, like, the next be best thing. And like I said, the production value is top tier. And you can really only expect that from the UFC. But that's what we have for this week. Um, Andre and Zeus will be back next week. This has been your boy Elroy. I am Josh Prepigina. You can find me on all forms of social media at Elroy Prepson. One word. You can find the show on Instagram at YBE MMA Podcast. Head to our Teespring store, www.teespring.com slash stores slash YBE MMA Podcast. Remember, for the whole month of June, all proceeds will be donated to the Black Lives Matter movement. You can find Andre on all forms of social media, Flow State Dre, as well as Zeus, BJJ dot underscore dot Zeus. Uh, check those guys out. Like I said, they'll be back next week. If it's your birthday, happy birthday. Enjoy the fights this weekend, and we'll see you next week. 